Welcome to the Issa Rugby Podcast, where we bring you the latest news, updates, and interviews. With more insights from the Springboks. It is the Springboks champions of the world. The Junior Box, the Blitzbox, our two national women's teams, local competitions, and more. It's great for me to welcome Tim Kumbu to, on the SA Rugby podcast to chat about all things about strength and conditioning today. Uh, Tim joined SA Rugby a couple of years ago and he's the head of our strength and conditioning department. He has vast experience in the field and especially working with younger players, which is what we're going to focus on today. Tim, uh, welcome. It's nice to have you on. Uh, let's start uh, about the relevance of conditioning assessment. Why is it necessary to test? Thank you so much for that introduction, DJ. Uh, good to be on here. Yes, um, the necessity of testing is, is quite a big one uh, and a very relevant one. A lot of the times, strength and conditioning coaches, players, coaches themselves start training without understanding what they are working with. So by that, I mean... Players, as a strength and conditioning coach, I would like and I want to know uh, how fast my players are, how strong my players are in different departments with their core strength, whether it's absolute strength, uh, because from there, I can tailor my program to improve the aspects that they are already strong at and as well as the aspects that they are maybe struggling with or below standard with at a particular age and time. Uh, of their careers. So testing um, for me is very relevant. Uh, which tests you utilize, that is completely up to the coach uh, and the strength and conditioning coach because it's what's relevant to you um, and how you're going to play the, the beautiful game of rugby. So as a strength and conditioning coach, there are some basic ones like strength with the upper body as well as lower body. There are power. Um, there's also testing for speed, which is a big one, uh, because at the end of the day, you do want to know how much speed work must you add to the program. Um, and should you be lacking uh, in, like I said, at in any department, you'd want to know how far off are you off the mark and how much must you add it in your program. So it gives guidance. Testing just gives guidance as to what to work on. No, that makes sense. We're going to get to speed a bit later. Yes. Uh, first, do you have different outcomes in relation to the different development, developmental stages of players? I mean, obviously, for a young guy, it's different, to, you know, a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old, different to the, you know, the 18-year-olds. 100%, DJ. Um, this one is also quite a, a, a relevant question and, a, and, and one that uh, I receive a lot of the times. Um, in the stages of 14, 15, 16, and 17, um, we know that, uh, boys and girls are in their developmental stage. So they are literally in their growth spurt. That's, that's what we used to call it, especially uh, if we go a little bit more scientific. So they, they are busy growing and their bodies are busy developing. So whatever sort of training you are going to do is either going to enhance this growth or it's going to inhibit the growth to some extent. So it's very, very important to know what to do with a younger person, a 14-year-old, versus what you do with an 18-year-old. 
And to maybe answer it a little bit more specific, yes, we do have different outcomes. I would say as a guidance, a 14-year-old, actually from a 13-year-old up to about a 15-year-old, one should really focus on movement. Movement as well as technique. Mm-hmm. That should be your mm-hmm. primary focus. So you know that you want the specific um, boy or girl to be fast as they as they develop and to maximize whatever speed capabilities they have. But you mm-hmm. cannot throw them in the deep end and do absolute speed training with them. You can definitely, though, start with speed technique, wall drills, um, A skips, B skips, uh, getting them rhythmically ready to to do speed and become more efficient in running. Because longevity-wise, those fundamentals of speed will remain intact and will remain in place, and they won't put the the boy or the girl at any risk of injuries uh, at an Mm -hmm. early stage. But I would say then later in in their development, so when you're looking at 16, 17, and 18, you can add resistance and power to their training a lot more to enhance that fundamentals that you've put in place at 13, 14, and 15. So that's how I would split mm-hmm. the two up and just using speed as maybe one of the, the aspects or components uh, which that, you can utilize. That makes sense. So, so let's look at the conditioning of younger players. And we asked, we asked parents and coaches of schoolboy and schoolgirl players to send in some questions. This is one we received from a parent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read it verbatim. My son was told he needs to get bigger. He is 15 years old and plays open side flank. How can he pick up size and power? I think that's a very relevant question for for these kids, a lot of these kids. Especially in the South African context, DJ. Um, Yes. We are a nation that that rely on our strength on the rugby field uh, for both men and women. Uh, So it's a very relevant one, as you've mentioned. So again, if I look at this question um, and... Firstly, I, I wouldn't want to delve into coaches saying that uh, a player is too small or too, is too big because what is too small and what is too big? I mean, um, a, a prop mm-hmm. at 15 years old can weigh 60 kgs. A prop at 16 years old could weigh 100 kgs. But what is mm-hmm. too big? What is too small? So it goes down to that first question that we started with in terms of assessments. We need to assess what is needed for the rugby match itself and and what sort of athlete is needed to be able to to perform and and be able to keep up with what they need to do on the rugby field. I'll give you an example. And I'll say, Mm -hmm. and the thing I like about this question also speaks to the position. So in this position as a sixth flank, if I'm a strength and conditioning coach of the 15-year-old or I'm the parent of the 15-year-old, I would go look at what are the game demands for my rugby boy or girl at 15 years old? How long do they play rugby? Is it 30 minutes a half? Um, So 60 minutes in total. How much of that time of the 60 minutes is spent running at even if it's subjective high speed? So how much of that is, is, is really sprint running? How much of that is jogging and walking? Uh, How much time do they spend standing around on the rugby field? So out of the 60 minutes, you'll find that maybe the work time is about 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So then I would focus on making sure that my son or my daughter has enough capability to last for about 30 to 40 minutes 
That's number one. Then when we speak to the size component, a six flank will get into a lot more collisions. So they will get into a lot more tackles and breakdowns than my son who's maybe playing at fly half instead of the 15-year-old in this question that plays six. Mm -hmm. When I look at that and I go to footage and parents today, what I love is that parents are so involved. Uh, there's video footage, uh, whether they take it themselves or the team or the school is taking it. Now, I would go look at that footage and say, when we speak about size, how many times does my son get into collisions? How many times is he required to be in contact areas? And which particular parts of the body then need to be the ones that are big? So I would say, mm -hmm. if you are getting into contact as a six flank, your shoulder compartment, your neck area really needs to be strong for it to be able to handle the amount of times it's going to get contact. So I protect my AC by making sure that my deltoids, that must be big. So I make sure that my shoulder area is quite big and I focus on that. I focus on my neck strength to make sure that I'm safe in those collisions and I can play the mm -hmm. entire season. But it doesn't necessarily mean that my entire frame needs to pick up 20 kgs or 10 kg because of it's course. relevant to how good my skill set is. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, this is another question we received from a, from a parent. Um, it's, it deals with speed. My 14-year-old son is a center, but he's told that he lacks pace. What can he do to improve his speed? So basically, how can players get faster? Yes. Um, this is a wonderful one. Um, there are so many components to it, but I'll stick to the ones that are fundamental to speed. I've already spoken about technique. Uh, mm -hmm. I think every parent, every coach, every player must, and I mean, technique drills and technique um, exercises are relatively available uh, on, on the World Wide Web. And there's a lot of good stuff that's been put out there in terms of technique. So I would go have a look at those. Uh, look at the technique drills and those don't cost me anything. So I can do them even together with my rugby training at school. I can do them additionally at home. I can do my wall drills, make sure I've got good knee drive. I'm getting on mm -hmm. my feet. So I would say start with the fundamentals of getting faster. Then we go into the strength of getting faster. So we go have a look at, do I have a good core base? Because running is about... Uh, being able to keep your core upright as much as possible. Uh, with us, we run with a rugby ball. So that there's a lot of stabilizer challenges that happen there. The one arm is swinging. The one arm has a rugby ball in its hand. Um, so I would also go have a look at what does my core strength look like? Because there are core tests, like a plank. They are, am I adding enough core in my training? Uh, so I'll go have a look at that. Then I would move towards uh, making sure that in my training, especially in my preseason, I've got hill sprints. Because to get faster, you need to run fast. That's, that's the bottom mm -hmm. line. You need to be exposed to running fast. So to challenge yourself, I would say make sure that once you've got the technique and you know you're doing enough core strength um, as well as uh, hamstring strength as well because speed challenges the hamstrings quite a lot, then I would add mm -hmm. hill sprinting because what it does is it adds resistance and you need to produce a lot more force than what you do when you run on a flat surface and then you you would leave the heels and go to your flat surface full out sprints uh, keeping them mm -hmm. to a short distance 
So you're running 10 or 20, maximum maybe 40 meters. But once you run the 40 meters, you need to make sure that you fully recover before you run the next one. And that's the one element that we sometimes get wrong. We sprint, mm -hmm. but then we don't do enough recovery in between, between the, mm -hmm. the actual sprint. So I'll, I'll summarize it and say, one, core fundamentals of speed training. Two, core strength. Three, making sure that my hamstrings can handle the speed training itself. Then I would start with the practical side and say, go heel sprints, especially in your preseason, get them mm -hmm. in. Then secondly, make sure when you do pure speed training and you're running at full tilt and your repetitions are set out, you must recover and rest enough in between the actual sprints. Mm -hmm. And always measure. I mean, DJ, if, if you of start course. the season and you don't, you don't know how fast you're running, whether it's a hand time, a stopwatch, whatever, how are you going to know it is improving maybe midway through the year or at the end of that year? So, again, it needs to be assessed. You need to do some sort of testing for it and then see if it's improving. Oh, that makes sense. I, I get tired just listening to you talk about the old sprints. Thanks <laughs> back at school. <laughs> that was hard work. Um, we, we also, we, it's not only aimed at obviously at, at, at parents and players, but we also want to, you know, try and assist coaches. So, um, how can conditioning coaches assist their, their on-field coaches and the players to maximize their training time? I think it's something that's very relevant. It's, you know, it's easy to carry on and, and just carry on and train for three hours, but it's not necessarily the best practice. No, absolutely. Uh, and DJ, this speaks to our periodization planning. So our planning for the year um, is needs to be really spot on. So if we know that in our school we only have uh, time to do two field sessions for the week. Um, and then we only have enough time to do two gym sessions for the week. As a conditioning coach, you need to make sure you pick out, so in terms of the weight room now, um, the conditioning coach needs to select the most relevant and most important uh, aspects of that training that needs to take place for his particular group of players. Um, so again, once assessments have been done, you will know that your group is relatively maybe a smaller group in terms of mm -hmm. average sizes of players. But then I would have to make sure that their injury preventative measures are well in place for them to be able to play against the bigger boys, but be able to play for a full season. So the same applies for if you have a team that is relatively uh, in pace-wise, maybe you don't have as much pace as other teams may have. And as we've spoken about speed now, you can go to those and say, in the two sessions of my week, I would like to spend at least 30% of that time working on speed, whether it's speed and speed strength in the gym or speed on the field. But we need to dedicate mm -hmm. at least, if it's two gym sessions and two field sessions, so you're looking at four hours of training in a week. If we've got four hours, me and my coach must sit down and say, coach, we lack speed. And speed is going to be very important for us mm -hmm. because we are already maybe not such a big group and a bulky group of players. So we need to dedicate at least 30% of our four hours in the week mm -hmm. to some sort of speed training. And you can imagine that 30% adds up over the season and your speed can improve. But if you mm -hmm. don't even include it or you only do it 
for five minutes of the four hours, it's definitely not going to improve and you're not going to have something that could be a weapon for you. Uh, you're not going to have any in your, in your arsenal. So the planning needs to be spot on. If I've got more time, I can work on smaller components. I can zoom into smaller things, do an upper body gym session the Monday, a lower body on the Tuesday, another upper mm -hmm. full body on the Wednesday because I've got three uh, gym sessions available to me instead of the two. But if I've got two, I need to pick out what's important to me and make sure I maximize that time. On field, mm -hmm. um, not to make the answer too long, but when I'm on field with my coach, my coach might say they believe that our kicking game is going to be very important. Now, if the kicking game is so important to us, our kickers need to be able to do the skill. So in our two hours of training, we must make sure that they get time to practice that skill. Then secondly, mm -hmm. we'll have to make sure that we analyze the rest of the guys. So the wingers will have to chase if we're going to kick a lot in our game. Therefore, we must make sure that our, our, spread, our, our wingers are able to do this and they get exposed to this in training so that they can handle it in the game. So there's a lot of analysis that must be done, great communication between the coach and the, and the, and the strength and conditioning coach to make sure that even if they only have four hours of training that week, they make sure that mm -hmm. each and every one of those minutes is spent on the things that are going to be relevant for their team to play better, not just things that they maybe just enjoy doing or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it comes back to proper planning, eh? 100%. Um, speaking about gym training, let's let's go into the gym, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and this is something a lot of parents want to know. Uh, from what age should rugby players start with a gym program, especially weight training? Literature advises us um, in terms of that. Um, the general guideline is around 16 years old. They should be doing weight training. Um, before that, it can be movement-based stuff. It can be body weight exercises, which are phenomenal. Um, and we know that they will not hinder anything in terms of the development of the player or the growth of the player. Uh, but mm -hmm. from 16 years old, especially if it's done in a controlled environment, it's done progressively. It's not done um, from the top down. It's done from the bottom up. So what I mean by that, it's lighter weights. It's more repetitions rather than absolute weights. So as heavy as you can, um, mm -hmm. with short repetitions. So you need to start off at the beginning, which is the movement and the technique, as we've mentioned at the beginning. Then once they are 16, they can start doing uh, 15 and 14. They can do body weight stuff. And you can maximize that. And once you've reached the ceiling there, at around 16, you can start with full-on weight training. Even that, though, must be progressed correctly and not done incorrectly because mm -hmm. then you, will, you, you stand the risk of injuring the player. So I would say at 16 years old, you can start with weight training. Mm -hmm. so, so where can parents, coaches, and players go to get guidelines on what an age-appropriate training program would look like? World Rugby on their website have uh, quite good examples of at what age, what the program or uh, training program should look like. And again, these are guidelines. And why we always say guidelines, DJ, is not because we, we're not as specific as we can be. It's we don't know what stage is that athlete that we are talking about currently. I mean, we're talking about a general-based program. So a 14-year-old... Um, here in the Western Cape and another 14-year-old in the same province might not be at the same stage of their development 
so they're not the mm-hmm. same things are always going to work for them. So it's a guideline to say, just in general, it must look in this particular way. Um, on our Boxmart page, uh, we also have um, age-appropriate gym programs. So a gym program for senior rugby players, what that looks like. And from that, um, if you stick to the to the guidance that I've just mentioned now as well in terms of making sure you're doing body weights first, then you go into some resistance training that's a little bit more focused and weight-bearing, then you mm-hmm. get into understanding what a general season should look like. On there, we also have what a periodization plan would look like in a normal rugby season. And again, we know at schools, there are other sports uh, that are taking place and SNC should be aware of this. But once you have a periodization plan template that we've got on the Boxmart website, you can work back and put in your particular dates and that will work for your school and all your... Oh, that's excellent. So people should visit just so that if they don't know, uh, boxmart.com yes. or they can to world.rugby and on our own website springbox.rugby we've got links to all of these so people can just visit those and have a look it's it's actually quite comprehensive i've seen some of that and there's a lot of information on there um another question from a from a parent um, and this is one for the girls uh my daughter who is 16 years old plays rugby but she does not know what type of gym training she should do is it different for girls than for boys it absolutely will be dj um if I'm correct, did I hear right? She's 16 years old. 16 years old, that's right. Yes. So we know that ladies develop a little bit earlier than boys. Uh, when I was speaking about the growth spurs, I was speaking about the developmental phase. So they develop a lot quicker than what boys do. Um, so I would say for a 16-year-old lady or girl that's playing rugby, the playing part of, of, of the, the, the playing rugby component is already developing the body in terms of it's going to take blows. It's going to have to fall to the ground and get up. Um, So we must not underestimate how much the exposure to rugby itself is already training. It's already developing. Then the other parts of it would be absolutely making sure that they can do body weight. The body weight fundamentals are in place. So Mm -hmm. a push-up should be good and a push-up versus um, in a minute how many she can do. That is something, that's an upper body strength uh, component that can be measured by the parent and that can be trained over time. There's things like just normal body weight squats that can be done. And as she develops and as she gets stronger in these components, then you slowly but surely progress. Again, I can't say she must do two sessions of gym every week and make sure that she does at least her body weight when she's training. So she she's benching, she's... Uh, shoulder pressing this amount but mm-hmm. there needs to be someone close enough to them or the parent can look at the child and the daughter themselves and see over six week period we've been doing push-ups we've been doing sit-ups we've been doing uh, lunges we've been doing squats bodyweight squats all these exercises i'm talking about now body weights if there's a significant improvement um, in that six week period significant improvement means she was doing 10 in a minute and now she's doing 20. So she's doing 100% more than what she was doing at the beginning of the six weeks. Then mm-hmm. we can start progressing and say, we are either putting a resistance band by her hands when she's doing the push-up to make it a little bit more challenging, or we are putting a small weight plate, a 5 kg weight plate on her back when she does the actual push-ups. 
and that's how you then start progressing. In some exercises, she might get stronger quicker than in others. Don't rush the exercises to get um, to progress. Always listen to the body, and when the body is getting better at something, then you must start stimulating it and challenging it a little bit more. So at 16, she definitely can start uh, with gym training, but again, mm -hmm. I would say start with the body weight uh, exercises. Even in the gym, you can go to the gym and do body weight exercises because you can do your pull-ups there, you can do your lunges, whatever there, and then you can start progressing into a lot more resistance. Great. So so let's finish off. Uh, which I've got two more questions that I want to ask you, and we're going to talk about recovery and rest now, which is equally important. Um, let's let's look at recovery. How can coaches and parents motivate their, their players to do extra conditioning, but also then recover very well? What would be a, a good motivational tool? I think a very mo good motivational tool would be to in, uh, enlighten or educate the athlete as to the why. Athletes today really want to know how come or why should I recover? Why should I sleep? Uh, why should I make sure that I'm eating well? They want to know the why. And if you can explain this in the mm -hmm. simplest terms to the athlete, it will they'll take ownership of, of, of their development and they'll take ownership of their training a lot more because they know the why. And, mm -hmm. and once, if you can deliver that message, so a, a small example in terms of recovery, if you let the athlete know that for you to get bigger, after you've trained, while you are gymming, you are not getting bigger. You get bigger when you are resting. I mean, if I'm a 16-year-old and I hear that, I, I, would, I would want to work as hard as I can in the gym, but I would, I would literally tell my friends, I just want to sleep now. And of course, you can't sleep the whole day. The whole day. But I mean, mm -hmm. I would, it would become a bit more of a focus point for me because my coaches showed me and let me know why. And if you need to, show them the literature. Show them... The, the, the articles that speak about. Um, show them these articles that's, that, that related to professional athletes that have done this before for years on years. I mean, I think of a guy like George Bregan, who in his book mentions that he used to stretch at least 30 minutes before the team comes into training and he would make sure that his stretching is done another 30 minutes post-training. So mm -hmm. that's, if I'm a scrum off and I hear that, I... I I want to stretch and I want to know, I want to, I want to play as long as say a guy like a George Cregan has before. So you need to explain mm -hmm. and, and how you motivate them. You must let the athlete know the why of recovery, the why of eating well and the why of doing extras. Of course. So here's our final question. And this is also something a lot of parents asked us about, and it's about sleep. Uh, as we know, Today's kids, I think it was the same back in our day as well. The kids are socializing and they go out on Friday nights. You know, they stay out until late and they're not necessarily, or they're not necessarily getting enough sleep. Yeah. So parents and coaches will obviously tell the players that they, they can't play to their potential if they don't get enough sleep. Is there any truth to this argument? There are a lot of, and, and there's a lot, DJ, I mean, thousands and thousands of articles that speak about the importance of sleep and the importance of rest. Um, as I've touched on a little bit uh, in the previous question to say, um, when we train, that's not when we are getting better at what we are doing. Um, we get better, especially from a conditioning component. So whether you're doing speed, whether you're doing strength, whether you're doing power, 
the body, once it's been put under the stressor, it needs to recuperate and for it to bank those gains, uh, to put it in simple terms. So mm -hmm. the more you get to rest, so you still have to work very hard when you're actually doing whatever uh, session you are doing, but the resting component is the one that is going to let you benefit and reap the rewards of mm -hmm. all the hard work that you have done. So my advice to parents um, in terms of getting their, their children to rest would be also be flexible. Um, don't maybe force them to every day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year, sleep early. Uh, give them mm -hmm. their one night of a longer night where they want to either stay up with friends or whatever the case is. But it's very important to then emphasize to say, look, from Sunday onwards, because we'll be, you'll be training, you will be working hard. If you want to get those mm -hmm. benefits, your Monday to Friday, you must get complete rest. And then maybe your Saturday evening can be the one night where you stay up a little bit later than the other evenings. Excellent. Because the kids also have to relax a little bit. Eh? 100%. Thanks for your time. I think, I think you've given some very valuable inputs and I'm sure this will help, especially our younger players, their coaches and their parents as they aim to fulfill their potential. Uh, appreciate your time. Good luck with the Springbok alignment camps and safe travels. Thank you so much, DJ. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening and please join us again for the next SA Rugby podcast. For more, click on springbox.rugby or check out our social media channels.